good to be in the presence of God today. Normally I'm in Newcastle, but it's good to be in O'Fallon. I got to know O'Fallon because of the Thurstons. They lived here when I I met my wife at Brother Dugas's church all those years ago and she lived in O'Fallon and was attending church over there and uh, I learned the zip code 63366 because we didn't have email we wrote letters and those letters would likely be rather embarrassing today to read if you got a hold of them just all the mush I don't I don't know I, um, I'm gonna move along that's gonna get bad in a hurry you can be seated God bless you we're so honored to be here thank you brother and sister Buford um, Brother Buford was 11 or 12 when I moved to St. Louis and went to Gateway, and and uh, he was always the kid that made things fun when he showed up. Uh, I think I think you probably still make things fun, wooden bow tie and all. I don't know if I've ever seen one of those. I walked in this morning and saw that. That's interesting. You'll have to tell me tell me about that. My wife, they had uh, mentioned my wife singing the other night, and she didn't have a chance, so she's going minister to you today in song so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning such a liberty to worship the Lord aren't you thankful that you go to a church where there's liberty I'm so thankful our church in Newcastle Indiana it's a word church and it's a worship church that's how you grow people word and worship so thankful to be here with my mom and dad my aunt and that handsome 10 year old boy back there, that Jay Jacob, he's something else. I begged God for him for eight years and the Lord answered my prayer, I'm thankful. I wrote this song in 2011. I haven't sang it in a long time. I was having a day where I just felt kind of crummy about myself. Anybody ever felt that way? Oh, you don't? Anybody ever felt that way about yourself? And I thought, Lord, my attitude is so bad right now, if you only knew. And he spoke back to me and said, I do. And so that's where this song came from. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. If you really know my heart, if you truly know my mind, then you're sure to know Lord, I long to be faithful, I want to be so good, but my flesh is at war with me. Can you see all this and still love me? Yeah. 
them all again Yeah, you say the East is far from the West How can they be forgotten? I know them all so well Yet I hear you calling out to me blood has made you free and I know you and I love you I hear every word you say child I know your heart I can read your Why don't you just stand across the room? Let's lift our hands and honor the Lord this morning. God, we do lift up the name that's above every name. Nobody like you, Jesus. Nobody like you. Amen. If you will grab your Bibles and turn with me to Leviticus, the 16th chapter. I'm going to start with the first verse. It is good to be in O'Fallon, God bless you, brother and sister Buford, doing a fantastic job here. Would you give your pastor a great ovation this morning? Well deserved. Amen. My in-laws, 
the most amazing in-laws that a person could ever have. Some folks have outlaws. I have in-laws. They are way in. They're the best. They're the best. They have been incredible to my wife and I, and I am so thankful for that. I felt jilted a minute ago. I had my offering out. I, I pulled out every dime I had in my wallet here, and then nobody came up here. I'm sure Brother, Brother Buford will be happy to take it later. <laughs> Amen. Leviticus chapter 16. Thank you for honoring my wife this past Friday night. She is truly amazing, and I am thankful. I married so far up that it almost has to just be considered miraculous. <laughs> I've discovered that Forgiveness, both giving and receiving, is an incredible obstacle for many. The problem with that is forgiveness is vital if you ever want to experience the fullness of God's presence. No one will ever be filled with God's spirit without that they learn to forgive. And as many as might struggle with that, there are also as many that struggle with forgiving themselves and accepting the fact that God really does do it. And for them, it's just as great a struggle to be filled with God's spirit also. We must learn to forgive and we must learn to receive it. I've never had a disappointing trip to Calvary. I've never been to Calvary and walked away, thought, man, that, that, that just wasn't even, that, that didn't do anything for me. Leviticus chapter 16, if you'll give me, it's 1050. We're in trouble already. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons or the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering that's why we come into his presence with sacrifice. And of a ram as a burnt offering, he shall put the holy linen tunic. The Bible, King James Version, calls it the ephod. And the linen trousers on his body, he shall be girded with a linen sash. And with the linen turban, he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering. And one ram as a burnt offering. Verse 6, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and his house. He shall take up the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall present them before the Lord. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat, 
shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now they go through a whole bunch more minutiae. We're going to skip down to verse 20. I don't guess we should call the details of the tabernacle minutia, should we? Tiny, tiny details. They're probably big details. Verse 22, and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over all the iniquities of the children of Israel and their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness. Somebody say, send it away. By the hand of a suitable man, now, that didn't mean he had to pass a test. That meant he had to survive. That'll catch up with you in a minute. I mean, they're going to take it way out there. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land. And shall, he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Take him a long ways out, buddy. And you better be in good shape. This is going to be a tough trip. Make sure that goat never comes back. Let me preach to you today for just a little while this message, a thousand goats at Calvary. Pray with me. God, we need you just to let your spirit stir us right to our core. In the name of Jesus, let the power of the Holy Ghost bring life into every word so that it touches dead tissue of our spirits and starts rejuvenation and quickening in them. In Jesus' name, in this place, God bless you today. You can be seated. Amen. I'm going to hurry. The Day of Atonement was one of the most important days for Israel. If, I don't know, I guess I would have to ask a Jewish scholar to classify and categorize which would be the most important, but the Day of Atonement was a big deal. You didn't skip the Day of Atonement. You didn't go on vacation the Day of Atonement. Um, and you didn't get sick on the Day of Atonement. You, you showed up at the Day of Atonement. It was a big deal. It was a day in which an entire year's worth of sin was covered, blanketed, made to disappear, taken out of the sight of God. Atonement literally means a covering, day of covering as if a shroud of blood were stretched over the entire year for the entire nation of Israel covering the sins of the people for that entire year this was the day of atonement it's a big deal the blood covering wasn't new God instituted it in the garden of Eden when the the animals, whatever they were, were slain so that Adam and Eve could have a covering to cover the shame of their nakedness, which they had only become aware of through their sin. It, it covered the fact that they had sinned and, and, and needed something to deal with 
their sin. The blood that was shed that day became, became symbolic of what it cost to pay for sin from that day forward. Uh, the two goats that I've just mentioned here and read to you about from the 16th chapter of Leviticus, uh, it's where the term scapegoat, if you've ever heard it, comes from. That, that's not something cool that your grade school teacher came up with. That's something cool that God came up with. One goat was killed. One goat lived, sort of. I'm going to tell you, though. Take a man out into the wilderness of life and separate him from God and his people, and I wouldn't call that living. One goat lost the casting of whatever they cast, the lots. It's interesting that at the foot of Calvary they were gambling over Jesus' clothing. One goat lived. One goat's blood was shed. And that blood then was cast upon the other goat. The sins of the nation were laid upon that goat. Every filthy thought, every lie, Every act of larceny and thievery, every act of sin in whatever fashion was dropped upon that goat. And then a man would take that filthy now goat covered with the sins of of an entire nation of people and he would march his way away from the camp of Israel all the way out until he knew he was alone and there was nothing, nobody anywhere close to him and then he he would let that goat run and he would turn and walk away and make sure the goat didn't follow him back home. Well, I can't imagine what they would have done to that poor guy if the goat had made it back home. They didn't take that goat a few hundred yards out of the camp, whack him on the behind and say scat. They took him way out, way out into the wilderness. Not a mile or two, days, they would have taken him and let him loose to make sure he never found his way back home. Can I tell you this morning that sin is right at home in our lives? David said we were created for it. I was born in sin. I was formed in iniquity, that just the, the sins of daily life. That's how I was created. Sin is right at home inside of our spirits, and it always wants to come back home. It always wants to find a way back. But I want you to know that, that when you get to Calvary, the blood that was shed there, it doesn't take your sin a little ways. It's as far as the east is from the west. God's not interested in your past coming back home. God's not interested in all of your mess making it back uh, and being more mess uh, when he takes it away it is gone gone somebody shout that it's gone amen he doesn't keep them laid up in storage for a day when he'll throw them back in your face and remind you of how bad you were. Uh, instead, the psalmist uh, of 103 said, uh, as far as the east is from the west, uh, that's how far. Uh, that's how far they went. God doesn't keep a record of forgiven sins. Uh, he doesn't keep a record uh, of all the stuff. Uh, he's not counting up, uh, adding it up until the day you reach your threshold, and he says, that's enough, I'm done. Can I come down here? 
Listen to me, saint of God that's been serving God 30 and 40 years. Uh, you need to get a hold of this too because it messes with us. It doesn't matter how long we have served God. Uh, we can walk into the house of God and have made a mistake. Uh, same mistake we might have made a thousand times. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, sin is always welcome at the altar. Uh, sin is always welcome in the presence of God. Uh, it may not be that he wants it. Uh, but when you bring it, he'll take it as your offering. Uh, and when you don't have money, uh, if you got sin, he'll bring, you, you can bring your sin uh, to the offering. Offering, uh, and to the altar and God uh, will accept it uh, but you won't leave with it uh, when he takes it he keeps it uh, but he doesn't add it up uh, matter of fact the only record that I can find that God is keeping uh, is one called the Lamb's uh, Book of Life uh, where names are written down uh, and they're never intended to be erased again that's the only record God is keeping mm. I hope that ought to bless you man the sin doesn't matter when it's under the blood when it's been atoned for. The mistakes don't matter when they're under the blood. You know, it's, it's, it's no surprise that a goat was chosen for this role. Anybody ever raised goats? Been around goats? Bunch of city folk in here. A goat will eat anything. We had a bunch of goats and a fence outside of the yard where we lived one time when I was a boy. We'd take scraps out there, throw them to the goats. We'd just throw a styrofoam plate out there. They'd eat the food and the plate. They'd gnaw on, on, on tin cans. That was before there was aluminum cans. They would gnaw on tin cans. They'd eat anything. They would, they would eat mayonnaise that was a week old, and the salmonella didn't do a thing to them. Parasites would run from goats. Get inside a goat, the goat will kill you. They can eat anything. They will eat anything. They are a walking trash can. They, they'll, 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 they'll just consume whatever comes their way. If it's grass, great. If it's an old ham sandwich, great. If it's lettuce that's brown, great. Even if it's kale, and kale is fresh, it is still nasty. Come on, all the gentlemen, hallelujah. All you ladies try to put us on those grass diets. We need protein, y'all. I ate extra bacon this morning. Goats, they'll eat anything. And nothing seems to harm them. They don't get sick. When, they, when we'd eat this stuff, and, and number one, we didn't eat, wouldn't eat this stuff, I hope. But it would, it would cause a human to become ill, not a goat. It's unaffected. It'll eat stuff that'll kill a person, and it's unaffected. And it's amazing that God symbolized the taking on of sin in something that could handle filth and handle trash and handle garbage uh, and walk away from it uh, and seem like there was nothing wrong. Uh, the sin didn't kill the goat. It would eat anything. The sin uh, didn't even make the goat sick. It was able to go way out into the wilderness with this whoever this man was that took him out there uh, and it was healthy when he got there. Uh, sin was taken so far away uh, in something that could handle it, uh, that didn't destroy it, uh, that seemed to even be able to conquer it uh, and it was taken away from the people uh, and put away uh, and taken away uh, and never allowed to return. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, it's real easy to read the Bible sometimes uh, and, uh, and, and not be able to separate that which happened yearly and that which happened once. Uh, but the Day of Atonement was an every year thing. Uh, it came around once a year. Uh, there was the day the priest uh, would walk, the only day he would walk into the Holy of Holies, uh, trembling in fear, hoping that he had everything straight so they didn't have to drag him out by a rope on his ankle. Uh, and Hebrews 10 says uh, that blood uh, of bulls and goats uh, reaches a point where it no longer will accomplish anything in the presence of God. Uh, There's got to be something uh, that would finally deal with sin, not once a year, uh, but forever. If this were not true, they wouldn't have had to have a day of atonement every year. If the blood of bulls and goats could do it and do it well, they'd only needed one. But the day of atonement, it came around every year. And every year, they went through the same ritual. They offered bulls and goats and lambs and rams. And every year, two goats were stood at the doorway of the tabernacle. And a lot was cast. And one lived and one was separated. One died and one was sent out into the wilderness. And and, and never to be seen again. Every year, the sins were covered by the blood. Every year, over and over and over and over. Until finally... There was born, not a goat, a lamb. John one day looked up and it seems almost as if it was involuntary as it shot out of his mouth without even his realizing. Looked up at his cousin that he'd grown up and suddenly flying out of his mouth, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hmm. The blood of bulls and goats wouldn't do it. Nothing was permanent with them. Nothing would take it away eternally and deal with it completely. But a lamb showed up that could take away the sins of the world. A lamb arrived that could eternally deal with the sins. And not just the sins of the nation of Israel. Oh no, behold the lamb, John said, that takes away the sins of the world. It's amazing how many times I find Jews in the New Testament who spoke things that had no comprehension of their scope. When John said, takes away the sins of the world, he did not anticipate that it would be the sins of Jeffrey Jaco in 2018. He didn't anticipate that it would be any Gentiles uh, his world was Jewish uh, but when he spoke up and said uh, that takes away the sins of the world uh, I wonder if he didn't stop for a second and say wait a minute did I say that Uh, maybe I should have said takes away the sins of Israel old brother Tom Fred Tenney used to say you can't unring a bell you done said it John he's going to take away the sins of the world the lamb was born The angel showed up and told Joseph, you call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, But Joseph didn't realize who his people were. Uh, Joseph didn't realize that his people uh, were going to be a whole lot more than just uh, the nation of Israel. But Joseph didn't realize uh, he was dealing with the one that said, let there be light. Uh, Not the one that squealed as a baby in his mommy's arms. Uh, Joseph didn't realize uh, that he was dealing with the one uh, that said, uh, uh, from the foundation of the world, uh, I will send myself uh, as a lamb and I will take care of the the sins of my people. Joseph had no idea who he was dealing with. It didn't take a bull. It didn't take a goat. 
He took a lamb named Jesus, whose name transliterates to God, my salvation. Not that God was Jesus' salvation. God was my salvation. Didn't take a bull. Didn't take a goat. Took a lamb. Picture's not seen without some contemplation and consideration. Context is a powerful thing. The Garden of Gethsemane is a strikingly beautiful place. Certainly would have been the night Jesus walked into it. But a beautiful garden filled with the wails and the sobbings of a dying man may not be quite as beautiful anymore. It would have been an incredible place to just spend some time, me and the Lord. But in the cool of the evening, Jesus walked in. It could have been a wonderful place of rest and repose and relaxation. It could have been a wonderful setting for time spent with someone you love. Instead, the beauty of the location is marred by the sobs of a man who says, let this cup pass from me. A man who has been condemned to death by torture, but the torture wasn't what he dreaded. The cup that Jesus spoke of was not Calvary, ladies and gentlemen. The cup he spoke of came with a sound. It was a noisy cup. It sounded an awful lot like the bleeding of a goat. Matter of fact, it sounded like the bleeding of an awful lot of goats. One a year for an awful lot of years. The cup that Jesus said, let this pass from me, was full of sin. But not just his sin. He didn't have any. That cup was empty. It was full of the sins of mankind. All mankind. It was full of the sins of the nation of Israel that had rejected him and now were about to crucify him. But he knew that was the plan. Converging on Jerusalem were thousands of years were the days of atonement. And Brother Brandon, I just wonder if in the garden Jesus couldn't hear the bleeding of thousands of goats walking up the hillsides because Israel or Jerusalem is on a hill, climbing the hills, coming from every direction, converging on a place that would be called Calvary. Thousands upon thousands of goats, each one representing an entire year's worth of sin, headed to Calvary. And I wonder if in the garden Jesus couldn't hear them approaching, if the sobbing and the crying out of a man that was facing a whip, but the whip didn't worry him, and Calvary didn't worry him. It was all of those goats that were approaching Calvary, thousands of years worth of sin, approaching a man that knew no sin, that had never committed one, that did not understand what it felt like to experience that, and yet climbing the hills from every side of Jerusalem are goats bleeding as they come up, not one or two, it's a troop, it's a, it's a mass of them, not just a flock or a herd of them, it is thousands upon thousands of goats, and they're all 
headed to Jesus uh, and he's holding a cup uh, and saying those goats uh, there's a beacon in this cup and those goats are headed to this cup uh, Lord uh, if there's any possible way I'll die no problem uh, I'll take the whip no problem uh, but it's all of this sin uh, that problems uh, that troubles me uh, I'm not sure I want to handle all of that uh, but I hear the goats uh, and I wonder if they as they approach it it can get louder and louder in his ears wonder if maybe he didn't start trying to do what we do sing a song get it out of our head do something else uh, talk out loud do something uh, whatever you can do to get stop that sound uh, get it away from me uh, get it out of my ears I can't stand uh, to hear uh, the sound uh, it fills me with dread it fills me uh, with sorrow uh, I don't understand this feeling uh, it's not the, the sound of the agony of the, the nails uh, that, that Jesus cried out that wasn't a sound to be fearful of uh, it was the sound of these thousands of years uh, of Goats uh, carrying uh, thousands uh, and thousands and thousands of years of sin approaching one who was sinless. Louder, louder, louder. His own voice in agony, please take this cup from me. Now, it seems like maybe it's even, even a, a shallow cry under the sound of thousands of bleeding goats crying out. We are searching for one where we can finally unburden ourselves. We have carried the sins of this nation for many, many years. But there's a lamb somewhere. And the lamb is going to take away the sin of the goat. And the lamb is going to transfer what's been on us for all these years onto itself. And the lamb is going to be chased out of town. And the lamb is going to be chased into hell. But when the lamb comes out, the lamb is going to prove stronger than the goat. The sin couldn't kill the goat but the lamb conquered the sin the sin couldn't destroy the goat but the goat couldn't wait to get rid of it but when the sin hit Jesus it found blood and the blood covered it and in hell he came out with with the, the keys of death hell and the grave listen to me my friend this morning when your sin is dealt with it is dealt with all right here we go I'm going to tell you My frustration as a pastor anymore is nobody knows what sin is and nobody thinks they're a sinner. Now, I've told you a nice, pretty story. Now, I'm going to get in your face. Can I get get in your face a little bit? I'm a nice, quiet guy until I get this microphone. I deal with people all the time. They're just not sure they need forgiveness. They're just not sure that that sin's any big deal. But I'm going to tell you, you get in the presence of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit starts working on you and you start to realize, wait a minute, uh, there might be something to this. Would you stand with me across this room? I wonder today, this is what I tell our church. When we lift our hands, it's a sign of our surrender. When the robber rocks in the bank, he don't ask you to put your hands in your pocket. He says, lift your hands because he knows that with your hands here, you are helpless. We don't like to be helpless. Can I tell you something this morning? I don't care how tough, how strong, how able, capable, intelligent, learned. I don't care how much you got together and I don't care what your bank account says. In the realm of the spirit, when the balance hangs between heaven and hell, you So when I lift my hands, 
I'm just acknowledging the fact that I, I figured this out. When I don't lift my hands to start to surrender myself, I'm only fooling myself because we are all helpless when it comes to the destiny of our soul. It takes the blood. It takes, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Lord, please wash me in your blood. Please purify my heart. Lord, help me to have the courage to make changes in my life. And, and we get repentance and, and forgiveness all messed up too. Forgiveness is God's part. Repentance is mine. Uh, repentance says I turn, I change, I quit. Uh, God doesn't quit for me. God doesn't change for me. God doesn't make me change. Uh, I walk into his presence and say, God, I want to change. Would you forgive me of my sins? Uh, God says, I forgive you of my, your sins. Uh, now stand up like a man and start doing what's right. So I'm going to challenge you across this room. Are there people with courage enough to lift up your hands and acknowledge the fact that I truly am helpless in the presence of God and I desperately need him? And I feel like there's some folks that really need to start praying a little bit. Lord, this is a struggle, but I know I really do need you to forgive me. This is not easy for me to deal with, Lord, but I know that I really do need you. I need some changes, and I really do need to acknowledge the fact that I'm doing some things that while I love them, I know that they're destroying me. And while I enjoy them, I realize that they're not healthy. And while I know my body, even my mind feels like I need them, but I know that they're not good for me, and they're not good for my family, and they really need to change. And so I'm asking you today if you would Forgive me now, and God, I'm going to start fighting, and I'm going to start giving it everything I've got to make the changes that are necessary. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost now. Conviction settling across this room. The lighthouse, the light shining today. The Holy Ghost is bringing a spirit of conviction across this room. I wonder today, this is just how I do it at home. I wonder this morning, there's plenty of room in this altar. We fight for altar space at the sanctuary. We just don't have any. But the Holy Ghost is here. And I wonder if today there wouldn't be some folks that just join me. I wonder if you've got legs that will get you here. If you would not just have the courage to step down into this altar. You're not joining the lighthouse. You're not calling yourself backslid. You're not saying I'm a sinner, although you should because we all are. You're not saying that's not the point. But I wonder today, listen, I don't care if you serve God for 50 years or 10 minutes. This altar is a great place to wind up your moment in the presence of God today. Amen. I wonder if there's somebody who's struggling dealing with the reality that I really am helpless. I've been to the gym this week, but I'm helpless. I struggle with all kinds of things. And you know what? I really do need something stronger than me. Come on, friend. Don't be the... Don't be the minority that stays back but would you step into this altar lift up your hands and begin to call upon the name that's above every name there is a lamb who takes the sin off the goat there is a lamb he lets it be translated from the goat to the lamb and once it reaches the lamb it dies it never gets past the lamb it's there and it never goes anywhere else and there's a thousand goats thousands of goats at Calvary that attests to the fact that sin dies at Calvary. The goats that lived all those years in the realm of the Spirit finally made their way to the place where they found the one where it would translate off of their lives. And there, there, the goats were liberated and the lamb was killed. But the lamb died but came back alive. Amen. Listen, listen. You need God to forgive you. So why don't you get honest enough with him today to say, Lord, please wash me. 
Purify me. Cleanse my heart and my life. So strong, so tough. You care for your family, you provide for them, you do a good job of it. But I gotta tell you, friend, if you don't own up to, to the fact that you need the hand of God on your life, you're gonna be a frustrated man trying your best to do what you ought to do, but always frustrated because there's a piece of what you should do that cannot be done by you. You're helpless in the presence of God. You are helpless in terms of your eternal destiny. It takes a lamb, a quiet, broken, frail, and seemingly weak lamb that easily died at Calvary. But when he came back out of hell, he wasn't just a lamb. He was a lion with a roar that conquered your sin. Listen to me today. Isn't it about time that you realize that you get caught up in the weakness of a lamb when the strength of a lion is at stake? Hallelujah. Come on again. Lift up your hands across this room. Call upon the name of Jesus. He's here. God, awaken me to my need for you. Awaken me to my need for you. 